Hello and welcome to All Things Urticaria from Medthority. In this series of podcasts, our host, Professor Marcus Maurer, is joined by his friends and colleagues to discuss all things urticaria. Over to Professor Maurer. Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria. My name is Marcus, Marcus Maurer. I'm here in Berlin and very, very happy to be connected to my friend and colleague, fellow urticariologist Anna, Anna Salewska from our UCARE in Łódź. Anna, of course, uh, a motor of our UCARE network uh, in Poland, beyond Poland, and an expert and very interested in psychoneurodermatology. Anna, how are you? Hello, Marcus. Hello, all the listeners, urticariologists, and all the people interested in this very fascinating disease. It means urticaria. Hello. Hello from Poland. Anna, let's start by maybe explaining a little bit what is psychoneurodermatology and why do you like it? To tell the truth, Marcus, we have to go back to the early 90s of the last century when I did a part of my medical studies at Leeds University near Manchester in the UK. Poland of those days was not in the European Union yet and we have as Polish people you have an opportunity to study a little bit as regards medicine in the UK and I took this advantage. And when I was at Leeds, I met Professor Bill Cunliffe and Dr. John Cottrell. And actually, the latter uh, chap was my teacher who introduced me to psychodermatology. Um, psychodermatology, it means dermatology plus psychiatry. So it means stressors plus skin. And, you know, I was fascinated that... Apart from soma, apart from, you know, such a Cartesian approach to life, technical one, we have the psycho, very important everywhere and in dermatology. So how that all started. So I was in. Anna, that's very, very, very interesting. Thanks for sharing. To me, um, skin and the brain are very much connected and i think of it as uh, yeah a crosstalk where if your skin is sick if you have a skin disease maybe um especially an itchy skin disease your brain also suffers and uh, is uh, struck by the stress that comes with that itchy skin disease and on the flip side signals that come from the brain and go to the skin um, can cause uh, inflammation or a skin reaction. Neurogenic right? information, neurogenic information, even it is called so. So, you know, Max, yes, that's true. We should come back to the embryo. Uh, skin and the nervous system are actually from the same part of the embryo and they are like siblings they are very 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 bound to each other and we should remember that you know of course skin is visible uh, never uh, the, the biggest immunological system is in the gut we have brain gut axis we have brain skin axis but we have actually also brain gut skin axis and all the um, systems 
they actually communicate with each other. And we should remember that when uh, our skin, so it means barrier, it's a little bit disturbed, environmental stressors, it means changes in the temperature, humidity, uh, smog, pollution, uh, allergens, haptens, they are taken by the nerve endings and they are going signal to the brain and come back to the skin. And then we have, for example, neurogenic inflammation. Very good. And let's start with the, the first part of that equation. Things that happen in the skin and arrive as signals in the brain, and let's make it urticaria, no? Here, the skin mast cells go crazy, they cause itch, they cause inflammation, they stimulate the sensory nerves. Um, but on a different level, why is it that people with urticaria are so stressed by their disease? My patients say that uh, totally they, that they, they, they don't know when the urticaria comes. So being unexpected, yeah. because if, if something is un, totally unexpected, they cannot control, uh, you know, it's a problem. If they can control, if they have the stimulus found, they can actually accept the disease because, you know, there are no healthy people as such. Somebody has something. So they can adopt. So this being totally unexpected, that is, this is one thing. Second thing is that the people say that my patients say that, you know, I just don't know what to do because this is this itch, terrible stuff. And, you know, my mom was a dermatologist, actually, and she years ago, she, she, she repeated me that actually old dermatologists, old allergists, old urticariologists, old, it means experienced, um, preferred to see the lion, lion, the life lion in the consulting room, but not the patient with chronic urticaria. Of course, it was years ago when we did not have this magic biological stuff or this urticaria centers that we, have, we now have support group. But what it meant that, you know, it was those an of extreme burden to the patients Absolutely. and this unexpected each and each, it's much more troublesome than pain, as my patients say, because people scratch in order to have pain because it's more bearable because you know this itching especially you know being pain it's more shall i say uh, accepted they are pain journals it's serious and each what is that yeah contagious you know what i mean so we need education and actually destigmatization of this absolutely most troublesome symptom of our patients and, and you, Anna, have done a lot, as has the community, to explain and to describe and make people aware of this impact of chronic urticaria on mental health. I mean, we know that every year that uh, a person with chronic urticaria suffers from uncontrolled urticaria adds to the risk of mental health impairment, you know, panic disorders, anxiety, depression, stress. So this is very well explained, but Anna, does treating urticaria help to mitigate that stress? Absolutely, um, absolutely. Treating urticaria 
actually can lead to get rid of the disease. So, you know, without treatment, we won't progress. So, uh, treating, of course, communicating with the patients, taking them on, on board, uh, having a relationships, because you know what I mean, what I always repeat to my patients, I am not with my patients 24 hours a day. Sure. The patient knows the best, the best information, knows actually everything. Of course, the doctor has to get this information because very often the patient, you know what I mean, not being a professional, cannot give us this information as we want. But I, what, I, what I'm doing, I'm actually asking the patients, apart from, of course, ethical activity score and all this, you know, prompts, so the patient reported outcome measures, which are very important. I also, I, I'm asking the patient to actually spend five minutes every evening and answer a few questions. Okay. For example, how they, including them, there are only five or six, you know, simple questions, how they feel as regards they are, you know, depressed or they they they, they try to cope uh, or how how I how they feel because it's yeah. very important as regards as you said okay. stimuli from the brain to the skin because we I have skin to brain and the other way around. That's very good, Anna. That's good advice. You know, I when I see patients, uh, I tell them that there are known triggers to making the disease worse. They're not the cause. And they're not relevant in all patients, but um, uh, yes, in some patients, these triggers can make urticaria worse. And I talk about uh, the non-steroidal antiflogistics, I talk about viral infections, and I talk about stress. And uh, some patients are very happy that I touch on that because they feel that I understand that stress um, is part of the disease and uh, others are not so happy. Uh, maybe because they don't want to be pushed towards uh, uh, this is a psychosomatic disease. You have urticaria because of your stress um, and they're less open to the idea that a less stressful life may be beneficial to them. What's, what's your angle? The, um, yeah, you know, the patient, the situation is such, me being a head of psychodermatology department, which actually was a new word, in 2009 and you know <clears throat> shall i say a little bit stigmatizing why because psycho used to be very stigmatizing because uh, actually we did not have enough knowledge however we should remember that stress it's not only psychological stress it's stress is it taking us out of the balance in every respect for as i said I am when I am talking to the patient, I am not putting, you know, oh, you, you must be stressed. But who is not stressed, you know, in today's world? Everybody. Yeah. It's climate. Climate is stress. Okay. So yeah. I am as I'm saying about the changing in the temperature, humidity, cold, heat, you know, perfumes, um, um, and actually allergens, okay, smoke, everything. Plus, of course, psychological stress. And I'm saying that it's, you know, looking at the WHO definition of health, it's well-being, physical, psychological, emotional, plus social. So you know what I mean? It's 
biopsychosocial approach to life. So I am putting the things as a stigmatization stuff. And I'm very often saying, because I know, you know, the situation is that our educational system mm, is a little bit uh, <clears throat> vigilant as regards psycho. Psycho, it means crazy, but it's not. Psycho, it means stress, it means being out of the balance in this or other respect. Yeah. And actually, Homo sapiens is all the time out of the balance because it has to go to homeostasis. It's normal, it's physiological, as soon as it functions, of course. So I am I, I, I perfectly understand I, I perfectly understand the patients and I'm very often saying, you know, it does not mean that you are crazy. Because it's it's not the matter of being crazy, it's the matter of being out of the balance, one thing. Second thing is that central nervous system is the most powerful system in home in homo sapiens. It's absolutely the strongest one so it's normal when it's in out of the balance it can cause numerous sim symptoms headaches stomach aches problems breathing it's normal so okay. education and communication you know a communication uh, i have the polish communication communication i love this stuff because you know i am sorry because it's the other way around but i, I very often uh, put the the little uh, uh, the little um, word communication when there are problems with etc communication Absolutely. in order we understand each other in order we speak the same language because I don't blame the patients that they have a lot of prejudice because you know what I mean? No communication. They don't know what, what, what we have in, in, in mind. So I am asking the patient and I said, we together have the plan, which was dynamic and will be. Okay. Perfect. And who is not crazy in today's world when we think about that? <laughs> Anna, this is a perfect segue to the second part of the equation, communication and um, how a stressed mind communicates with the skin. I find this very interesting. Of course, we know that people who are stressed experience their disease, in this case, urticaria, differently. And it adds to the quality of life impairment. Any mental health issue will do. But there's a biochemical uh, aspect to this, where at least in um, uh, basic science, we have evidence that a stressed individual will have higher levels of um, peptides, neuropeptides, uh, in the skin, for example. And we know that these uh, neuropeptides, just one of them, substance P, that they mm -hmm. bind two receptors on mast cells, for example, mast-related G-protein coupled receptor X2, which activate mast cells and thereby making the disease, urticaria, more active. How, how can we make use of this knowledge to help our patients with urticaria? As regards substance P, may, may I come back to the 90s as well? Because, you know, I did a PhD studies on muscles taking from mastocytosis patients. And actually, there's a much lower threshold level of mast cells that they actually, they are so sensitive that mm. they, they actually burst into tears, as I say, so they, they release all the mediators by very, very weak stimuli. Yeah. So actually, you know, 
uh, of course, uh, as you said, uh, there are receptors and mast cells uh, through, uh, through which uh, substance B works, but also mast cells being in a very close proximity of nerves and blood vessels, they actually are very sensitive and they are, can also be triggered to release uh, different substances uh, extra um, uh, without without actually receptors so extra receptor rather so so they are extremely extremely sensitive so actually what should we do we, what could we do we as regards diagnosis of course we we could measure neuropeptides but still you know uh, in locally it's uh, this micro perfusion method it's it's very very uh, important and uh, one thing. Secondly, we should actually seek for patients or um, find the patients who are sensitive because, of course, some people are just not sensitive. It's normal. Uh, we should remember that each uh, chronic feature uh, has a predilection of 2% of the population. So, for example, psychopaths, pure psychopaths, are very important for the population as well, but they could not feel this emotional triggering of the mast cells. So yeah. actually, you know, checking, checking um, uh, locally, mainly locally, because of course we can we can check uh, uh, on a broader level in the blood, but still, you know, the blood, it's already systemic approach, but locally, whether the mast cells are, are, are triggered, it's extremely important. Another thing is that in those people, our big uh, HPA axis, hypothalamus, pituitary gland, adrenal gland, is also triggered. Yeah. And actually, when nervous system is, is, is actually uh, triggered, uh, from the adrenal glands, for many hours, cortisol, it's released. Cortisol, which is the one of the most uh, powerful immunodepressants known to the human being. Immunodepressants, it means that it, it, it works, um, it suppresses its uh, immunological system. So, for example, we caught, um, we can caught uh, um, flu or um, some viral infections easier, and it works as a prodepressant. So, actually, we feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. We have we are we are not in a good mood. So 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 you know they and and on top of that there is a local HPA axis in the skin, the counterpart of it. So it's functionally, you know, muscles being a, 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 a queen of of area, It's very it's in the core actually of um, um of, of uh, it's surrounded uh, by by um, blood vessels, nerve, vessels, and of course immunological cells. Yeah. So it's absolute it's science. It's science. It's science. Absolutely. Anna, and it's I fascinating. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. Thanks for sharing your insight. I like the queen of urticaria, the mast cells. Just like in chess, the queen is much more important. Uh, uh, more important than than the king, the queen active, of area, <laughs> the one that rules it all in the skin and, of course, in connection with neuropeptides and signals to the brain and from the brain. Anna, our time is up. I could do this for hours, but we have to come to a close. I'm not going to let you go without my favorite last question in this podcast, and that is Anna. If you had a million dollars and you had to spend it on urticariology, what question for you to answer 
what program were you to start? Why, how would you spend that money to help understand or improve urticaria? I, uh, to tell the truth, I would see what is going on in the brain when the wheels are going out. And functional resonance, um, fMRI studies, functional resonance uh, imaging uh, studies are now, uh, you know, available. So I would go for that. Anna? I don't know about the seven Tesla, but now it's three Tesla, um, uh, shall I say, on the market, but seven Tesla is coming. But still, you know, it's it's to see what's going in the brain, really, you know, this connection, of course, Anna? Anna, without I, invasion. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Um, let me start um, uh, raising the money and you start to think about that study. I would love to see what goes in, on in the brain when patients with urticaria have their wheels or have angioedema. Fantastic to know. Anna. Thank you so much for being Many here thanks. with us today, sharing your insights, your knowledge. Uh, keep on rocking. You are a rock star of our network, and uh, I'm looking forward to many more initiatives and contributions from your end and from the very strong Polish centers uh, in the UK network. Thank you for joining us today. Dear listeners, this was All Things Urticary with Anna Saleska from the UK in Wuj on psycho-neurodermatology and how it relates to urticaria. Please tune in and join us for the next or other episodes of All Things Urticaria. If you have a topic you want us to focus on, if you have a question you want answered, do let me know. I'll be very happy to invite a guest from our network to talk about what you want to know. Until then, goodbye, Anna. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Support group. We are support group. There you go. Excellent. And thank you all for tuning in. Have a great day. Until next time. Bye-bye. Hi, thank you. Medthority would like to thank Marcus Maurer for that fascinating insight into UCARE. If you have any other questions regarding urticaria, please feel free to ask us via our website, www.medthority.com. Remember to tune in for the next episode of All Things Urticaria. From all of us at All Things Urticaria from Medthority, have a lovely week.